Ramel, you know what we're going to be talking about today? What's that? Uh, we're going to be talking about ecosystems, their rights, uh, and implications for the environmental movement. I love rights. Ah, me too. Yeah. Welcome to Pod for the Planet. My name's Charles Olson. My name's Ramel Pacheco. Uh, and today we're going to be talking about ecosystems rights. Enjoy the show. On February 26th, the citizens of Toledo passed a law that has granted Lake Erie human type rights. Right. So, uh, what was it? In 2014, uh, since 2014, Lake Erie, the western portion of the lake, has been experiencing really bad toxic algal blooms. Uh, and this has been affecting the drinking water supplies in cities like Toledo, Ohio, uh, who get their drinking water from the lake. Right. Uh, in response to this, the citizens of Toledo have uh, pushed to have uh, basically rights for not just the lake, but the entire uh, watershed that goes to the lake. So that's the tributaries, the main tributaries, and all of the surrounding land around the lake um, is now uh, protected by this essentially eerie bill of rights. Eerie is in the lake, not eerie is in like, boo, spooky. spooky. It's interesting how like um, the water had to be like contaminated for them to like start caring well, about the lake. Yeah, so the what gets me about this whole thing is that the main issue, these algal blooms were happening due to uh, runoff of excess nitrogen and phosphorus that were coming from water that was being uh, contaminated from liquid manure that was being spread over the fields in uh, southern Michigan, northern mm. uh, Illinois. Basically, uh, farmers would have these get massive amounts of manure from these pools that were being filled up by... Uh, industrial uh meat production places mm. uh CAFOs what was it the yeah, it was CAFOs uh CAFOs CAFO what are they called let's see um concentrated animal, animal feeding operations yeah so these CAFOs uh the cows uh chickens and pigs would all be put into what one acre of land like a yeah. thousand animals and one acre of land and all that shit for lack of a better term would be collected and put in these lagoons miles away um and then when those lagoons filled up trucks would come in and take the shit liquefy it and bring it and sell it to farmers who would use it to fertilize their cropland um those farmers however uh had a system of drainage for their land that ran under most of the farms that would mean that the liquid manure would leach into the ground faster maintaining a liquid form and those nutrients wouldn't be absorbed by the soil instead they would just go down into these drainage tubes and then be brought to the streams and to the rivers and then ultimately end up in western lake erie First, I think the most important question is this is, should natural elements like a lake, a river, a mountain, a stream, should they have similar rights to people? So it's like, is an ecosystem alive? 
Yeah. Is it like like <laughs> is what it, like what are we defining as like as a, alive? As alive here. Like are we saying all life? Is this an issue of like like does an ecosystem perform on similar levels to like a human? Well, <laughs> I mean, if you think about it, we're just a bunch of cells operating a bigger so you could look at it you as could, like you us look humans at e are ecosystems. Yeah, and uh, the other microbes that are inside of us that or aren't a part of our yeah, that aren't a part of our bodies. But um, I guess I, I agree with that way. I think that's a good way to put it. I guess like the the argument here is what do we mean by human rights? Like, so the so it's rights to protection here. Let me pull up the the Bill of Rights. Basically, it should, uh, the lake will have uh, the right to flourish without being uh, damaged. So, if the lake is in danger of any harm, then it has. Then people, the people of Toledo, have the ability to uh, sue the person causing the person or the entity causing the harm. Mm. Um, so. Essentially, I'm guessing, like, if we think of, like, human rights uh, or, like, rights in the United States under our Bill of Rights. So we have li the right to life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness, um, just as, like, the few basic and inalienable rights. Um, I guess this would fall under the lake has – the lake and the ecosystem has the right to life and liberty mm. in this case. So it has the right to have a life – that is unaffected or like unharmed from human interaction interaction. Um, and it has the liberty to go about its business without being interfered with. Could you also argue that by giving the lake rights, it's also protecting the people of Toledo's um, it, like quality of life too. So technically, like, I, I think, yeah, that, that is a great argument for it. So it's like the anthropocentric view would be that like we're doing this so, so that people aren't affected yeah. by it. Yeah. I mean, that that's I, I think if you were like going to walk into a court and sue <laughs> and, and the farmers or sue a corporation for polluting the lake um, on the basis on what basis you would sue, you'd say, well, here we have the lake has rights and these rights are being infringed upon, but not just that, the effects that are happening on the lake, mm -hmm. the algal blooms, the contaminated water are affecting humans as well. So um, I guess it adds to the case. So do you think that if there was a case that the backing of the anthropocentric view that it's affecting humans would have to would also have to have um have an effect i think so it could, have, like, i think this bill of rights wouldn't even passed if it wasn't for the fact that people that drinking water sources right. along the lake were being contaminated i think that was the like we i think i don't know how much it matters now that people are being affected i like after the bill of rights for the lake has been uh, put into place I think it matters more so for like one of the one of the major reasons that the that we've gotten to the point where we're thinking about protecting a lake with the same rights that a person has um, is because people are becoming more aware of the fact that if you protect the environment you live in you then in turn are protecting yourself yourself and you are protecting the people who live there um, so 
we should look at the fact uh, that this is an expansion of humanity's moral circle. So, like, what we consider as a society or, like, as a species, what we consider worthy of having rights. Um, and you've seen this in the past, like, in the United States, even over the past 250 years, like, uh, African-Americans and former slaves were once property and did not have the ability to vote and did not have the same rights as people. Um, same with women and even now corporations. So, like, if we use those three examples, we could see that, like, uh, if we talk about slavery for a second, um, they were considered property, just as we now today consider a forest to be property of some corporation or of the United States government. So, in my mind, it's kind of the next logical step for if we were to consider an ecosystem to be a living thing that deserves the same rights as humans. Mm -hmm. That also, I, I mentioned that corporations have the similar rights as humans back in, what was it, 2014? Corporations, uh, uh, it's going to sound like a stupid statement at first, but co corporations are people, but like they have the same, well, like, well, so it's they're, like they're made by of people. people of people so yeah but it's it's different in saying that so like corporations yes are a social construction where they are made they are a group of people working together to achieve a common task a common goal you can, they are an institution then can you also say that ecosystems are a bunch of agents that are working towards a common goal well that in in that case it comes into what comes into question is what has moral agency? So does a tree have moral agency? Does a fox have moral agency? Do the rabbits, do the insects have moral agency? So it's like, are we, by allowing, is the eco, does the ecosystem have, does it need to have moral agency to deserve similar rights as people? Because here is the next step up. The social group, the, the, the institution that is a corporation, a capitalist corporation, mm -hmm. the individual parts of it may have moral agency, but once you get up to that collective thing, it does not have the same behavioral characteristics as like an individual person does. But corporations are able to put money into politics and they are able to be protected in courts of law and they are able to sue on behalf of the entity. So is there something with the level? So it's like individual, like groups, collections of things like an ecosystem or a corporation can have rights, but the individuals of an ecosystem can't while the individuals of a corporation can. And then in, in, in this case, so let, let's say the people of Toledo mm -hmm. sue a farm uh, agricultural corporation on behalf of the lake ecosystem for damages done who in that case whose rights are more important so is it do the rights of the corporation and the right they have to do business do those go over the right of the ecosystem to live agriculture farming if we're talking about <laughs> if, we're, if we're talking about farming um i'm assuming these farmers aren't rich well, that 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 is another thing. It becomes an issue of of livelihood. And of like, livelihood, yeah. So, what if making ends meet? What if the farmers in this region 
of middle America are using this type of fertilizer, using the liquid manure on their fields because it's cheaper than other fertilizer. Then it becomes an issue of, okay, so let's say there's an algal bloom in the lake and the citizens of Toledo or someone decides to sue uh, a group of farmers up in the watershed for damages done. Um, in that case, it's who who would win out in that situation. Maybe we they need to stop thinking about it as like a win-win situation and thinking about it as a collective. So like, yes, the people of Toledo could sue these farmers that are um, creating algal that are responsible for creating algal blooms in like Erie. But instead of just being like, okay, we're gonna sue you, give us you know give us your money and then the farmer's like well what do i do now how about they come together and figure out the problem themselves so together like both both sides of the of the parties so i think that's that's probably a really good point to bring up is the fact that it's it's optimistic 100 percent. but i mean we do need more optimism um that the bill of rights for the lake the goal of it should be not to have a system in place where you can punish people for causing damage. It should bring awareness for the fact that the lake should be treated better and right. that stuff happening up in the watershed is affecting it, is affecting the lake. Like in your, like in your example, let's say the liquid fertilizer is cheaper because that's what they can afford. Like yeah. Instead of suing, or at least after, after the court case, the people of Toledo Ed- say, educate. hey, yeah. Um, there's other options. Or if you can't afford those options, we could help you afford those options so you don't have to default to this other fertilizer that's going to basically bring us back to where we started and causing more algal blooms and create a whole cycle of just yeah. like, you're I mean, causing a problem, Let's we could sue you. You know The problem isn't solved. Exactly. Or, yeah, it's basically putting a Band-Aid on the issue. Yeah, I mean, 100% the, the number... With any environmental issues, we need to start taking a systems approach. And we need to realize that one solution and one thing that has happened is not going to solve all of the problems associated with that mm-hmm. thing. Especially when we're talking about stuff on the levels of uh, ecosystems and large social structures and economic structures that need to be changed. I mean, one thing that could be talked about this is that if we do... Uh, get to a point where the farmers in the Lake Erie watershed area are no longer allowed to put liquid fertilizer on their cropland, then where is the uh, li- where is that liquid manure going to go from the lagoons, from the CAFOs? Um, so there needs to be multiple solutions established for the issue around it. Um, but that's just one particular example. The, the nature rights movement is a uh, it's an ethical movement that's happening, ethical and political movement that's happening across the world right now. But in the United States, it's it's fairly new. Um, it's a fairly new concept. Politically, what what do you think this looks like moving forward? Take the idea and like, oh, so a lake is a bill of rights. Let's say we were to do it up here with Lake Champlain and solve some of the issues associated with Lake Champlain. 
like the flooding issues or whatever, mm-hmm. or how uh, people build homes along the shoreline stuff, create regulations and stuff. Um, can, can this be scaled up to bigger ecosystems? Or should it be I, I focused? Think, I think I think if it's th- it's going to be scaled up, it would be like like national parks. But, you know, yeah. they're already... They're already protected. Exactly. So... I feel like this is then again like lake like the Great Lakes in general are just like this massive huge, this ecosystem. massive ecosystems and, and not e- not just that just like a part of like you know like American culture like part of our not just part of our natural landscape but they're a huge part of our social and economic landscape right so I'm actually surprised a little bit like, that this hasn't happened already yeah yeah I I think the next step politically with this is taking the idea of creating rights for the natural environment and trying to flip that another way so we were talking i I said before about how human rights that we have the right to life liberty and the pursuit of happiness Mm. i think we should have along with those rights and a clean environment so all people should have the right to a clean environment and that would also connect the natural rights movement into a broader human rights focus you know what i mean yeah so for like so so let's say we're working as part of a social change group or there's a the nature rights movement is trying to figure out a way to garnish more support from people if we bring it and be like hey these ecosystems um are not just they are not just going to benefit from having rights but if we associate the two that issue with environmental justice issues or just human rights issues where we try to be like hey environmental rights Mm. are still human rights like we can garnish more support that way and flip it to say flip environmental rights be like so like if people have a right to a clean environment okay now hey oh so we need to start paying more attention to the rights that the environment has like if the environment ha- if people have the right to the clean environment then naturally the next step in that sequence would be oh that means the environment in itself should like has the right to be clean so so like oh yeah lake champlain let's let let's just do it because why not but not like thinking about how it affects us mm-hmm. like do you think and any of these like would be possible just for nature's own intrinsic value yeah instead of us putting ourselves in the in the equation of how it affects us or how we feel about it i don't think so yeah (laughs) yeah i'd like to i mean as an environmentalist i'm like hey look at that lake that should be protected right and i don't even think about how it affects me right away but that being said environmental issues are not going to be solved by just focusing on an intrinsic value approach. It won't work. It doesn't it doesn't get enough people supporting the issue. We need to make sure that if we want the environment to be protected, we want we need to have enough people supporting that area. 
And one of the things about our society is that we are not capable of putting aside our needs, our basic needs. We're not good at putting those aside just for environmental protection. And especially as long as we live in a capitalist society, that's going to be even harder. I think we've seen it with um, the Environmental Defense Fund, uh, what they did in the late 80s, early 90s with uh, President uh, George H.W. Bush uh, and the establishment of like cap and trade policies to try and uh, regulate coal fire power plants uh, mm-hmm. and their release of sulfur and nitrous oxide and how that caused acid rain. Um, that was done, that in two ways was an environmental success, an environmental movement success that utilized and the anthropocentric need for the acid rain issue to be addressed. And it maintained, it still allowed for capitalism to run its course. It was an environmental solution within the confines of capitalism. Right. So it, it worked. It didn't go against that. Um, but I think the biggest part of that is that it was in direct response to a human need for that issue to be resolved. So if we take that example to t- into today and we have a human need to protect ourselves from climate change, especially marginalized groups, then why... D- why are we not doing anything? Yes. So, is, it be- is it because there was, um, like you said, acid rain? Yeah. Like, was there like immediate effect? Well, that's, I mean, that's one thing. While, like, climate change is, like, a, like it's slow, tri- a trickle. It's a trickle until, you know, <laughs> turns into a fucking shower. And then Waterfall. A thunderstorm. It's literally, imagine a lake. So imagine, like, when glaciers are melting, they create these kettle ponds. Mm-hmm. Um, and as they melt, like, they're these pools of water. And you there's, like, a thin wall of ice. That's like the front end. And that wall of ice is slowly melting. And then it gets to a point where it's so thin and the ice, the ice behind it has melted away too and has turned to a, this pond, this lake, mm-hmm. that that ice breaks. Um, and it, it, it was a trickle of water mm-hmm. melting away slowly. And then it was just a cascade, a rush of water that couldn't be stopped if anybody tried. That's climate change. And people aren't going to act um, on something unless there is that immediate effect. Like, we're not going to respond to a threat that is 20, 30, 40 years out if we don't see it, how it's going to affect us. Well, I know. Yeah, it makes your, it makes your stomach turn that's, a little that's bit. That's upsetting. It, but, <laughs> but it's not entirely because we've seen over the past 10 years, both the effects of climate change have become more prevalent Mm -hmm. we've started to see the effects of it directly on not just future generations but on generations of people today the people who alive today um and with that we've seen pretty sharp increase in the amount of people working to actively solve the problem and i think that is the key that as the effects start to become more prevalent more people will be working to solve the problem but are we doing, is the rate fast enough that it's going to beat the point that we need to get to I, before? I, I don't think so until politics gets in, more involved. I feel like it's more of a, 
I feel like climate change, like those people that are trying to tackle climate change, it is more of on individuals, communities, and NGOs instead of like actual governments that need to. We need to. We we need a massive political and economic shift, and I think that in order to do that, um, I think the work of the scientific community is done. It is with climate change because there's just, I, f- I feel like the the goal the goal of the scientific community is to say hey this is happening this is we happening. have proof mm-hmm. and also like what do you well, want us to do about it about it so we well, could you know the scientific community they have already they've the evidence is in we know it's it's happening mm-hmm. and they've also given us the tools like we have today all the tools that we need to fix the problem we need to shift into the communications where like this needs to be the issue of our time and i think part of that part of like the political uh rhetoric that we need to see about this needs to not just be about jobs and justice like like all this rhetoric is great like all the stuff we're talking about politically environmentally is we're on the right track bringing it back to natural rights and a natural bill of rights if we start talking about environmental systems let's say it's not a lake we talk about individual tree so like so, is that too much is is that reasonable to give a tree a single tree the same rights to life as a dog well i think it goes back to like the collective thing because the ecosystem like provides how, more value how much how much wood can one like if we're just talking about one tree or how much car like how or, much oxygen can how one much tree oxygen provide? how much wood how much uh so you're saying the forest should be protected so it should the natural I, rights I, I do i do believe like i do think you know like individual organisms deserve deserve rights but people are aren't gonna like think of that unless it's on a massive scale like a forest because unless that tree is like out like the last of its, of its kind, kind or yeah. like joshua tree yeah what if you know the redwoods mm. in the late 1800s early 1900s the redwoods were before the establishment of the national park they were cut down in mass it was like a really really profitable industry to cut down the massive redwood trees today that doesn't happen. We've associated some aesthetic intrinsic value to that particular tree. My argument is what differentiates, what makes that tree different than an oak or a maple? Is it simply a matter of size? So, <laughs> well, beyond the size, right. like, is it? And this is just for fuck's sake, like literally yeah. just to argue this. Why can't we protect a birch tree in the same way that we have protected a grove of redwoods? Like how far can we take like, oh, we're going to protect this tree because... Because... Because exactly. yeah. our ancestors chopped a lot of them down and yeah. we feel sorry. I don't know. Like is it... <laughs> I mean, guilt is never a good motivator for environmental protection, is yeah. it? Yeah. Uh, hmm. Would you consider it to be? 
I feel like that's not looking at I think that's more of by if if it's guilt then you're not looking at it in an anthropocentric way. It's like holy shit, I feel guilty for killing. for fucking this up. So, I'm going to protect it. That's fair. But th- wait, but then again, you're doing it because you feel a certain way. Because you feel <laughs> so it's still I mean, in that case, I mean, we're about to get really meta here, but fuck. Could we argue that even a biocentric view is still anthropocentric? At the end of the day, all views that we associate to and like all environmental ethics would be anthropocentric at the end of the day. I feel like if it, if it's going to be biocentric, just leave just leave the environment alone completely. Like just leave it alone. It because be. then because because even if you give a reason to like like why, why protect this area? Why leave it alone? When you're giving it a reason, better off without us. Is a good. Is a pretty good. Is is the best. Is the is the penultimate reason. Right. It is simply better off without us. If we say, oh, we had to protect it because, um, we for economic reasons or yeah. because it looks pretty or because. Because um, the one species in this ecosystem is, is completely cult- rare, yeah, is is completely ra- ra- rare, and it's gonna create this cascade effect in the ecosystem where it just you know shuts mm-hmm. down and then it affects us. I feel like those reasons are us giving it a reason to associating re- value. Yeah. So if so if it's to be truly biocentric, I feel like just leave it. Just say leave it alone because just leave it alone. <laughs> Just leave it alone. <laughs> Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. Hmm. We've kind of gotten off topic here. But did we? Eh, I mean, we got deep, bro. We, we did. Um, we could, to take it back, we should think about how bringing it back to applicable stuff and not no more theoretical hmm. individual trees. The idea to establish natural rights for an ecosystem, for a watershed on that scale, is genius. It not just, it is something at the size where people are affected by the protection of that area. And it's something tangible where people can see the effects of protecting that broader area. So like all of the species within that ecosystem are then protected. My idea for that is that we need to be able to do that then for forests for the adirondack park we kind of have the forever wild clause which is mm-hmm. a, a similar idea to limit the amount of human interaction intervention in the natural processes of excuse me of the area so we should then is the the next step it basically in my mind is to bring it up to the scale of the ecosystems in the United States are within our borders these ecosystems this natural area any natural mm. area that is not developed by a person should have a, the, the rights to where an organization like an NGO like the Sierra Club Nature Conservancy the Wilderness Society can argue on behalf of that natural landscape in a court and be like the rights of the natural world are being infringed upon Mm -hmm. 
you know if they're do you know if any of the other great lakes are protected under stuff like this yeah no lake erie is the first great lake the to first. Be. there do you, are do you there... think it's gonna cascade into like the other like that idea i, for, I think for the I, other great lakes i think it depends on how successful the bill of rights is for lake right. erie I, I think if if this works out to be where the farmers where all of the stakeholders involved in the watershed are not impacted economic are not impacted negatively if this works out perfectly i think this could spread to all of the all of the great lakes lake champlain all the main waterways i, th I think it's going to be this movement the nature rights movement in the united states is going to be super helpful with the protection of water my hope is that we can scale this up and use it to tackle bigger environmental issues a Nat a bill of rights for the entire natural world a natural bill of rights that is then taken and is taught in schools is socialized mm -hmm. into people being like hey the plants the animals we, we create a new environmental ethic that we teach to future generations and i think that is going to be huge in solving environmental issues over the next Fifty hundred years, like a tie into a new like educational system, also actually, like in general. But that's that, that's for that's that another, is another episode. So, my question is how how do we do that for like international ecosystems, or how do we how do we implement that on areas that aren't that can't be claimed so by like, by a country? The oceans. Like, like, yeah, international, like the the international, international seas. Um, How do you enforce any environmental policy with multiple nations? The Paris Climate Accord, for example. Mm -hmm. It's, there's, you can do, you can have it where all of the countries in agreement say that if someone breaks out of the agreement and doesn't pull their end of it, there's economic sanctions and stuff. But if there's a natural bill of rights that every country is signed on to, you could then theoretically sue you in one court or the other. Mm. It's complex and above my education level as of right now. I don't know. I, I think it's, it's something that should be kept in mind when we think of all foreign policy. Mm-hmm. The environment, like, should be, like, we should consider environmental repercussions for all of our actions, especially between the global north and the global south. I think that, again, it comes down to our political and economic systems are just not geared towards it right now. It's not what we're, we're going to do. It, it There's just too much resistance, and we don't have enough. There isn't enough at stake yet for us to be worrying about other people right now. And that's terrifying to me. It's going to take the superpowers like United States or, I'm... or, or China. I know China's trying to. Uh... They're trying to go renewable. Yeah, they are. They, they're, yeah, they just surpassed the United States. They produce more renewables per, what is it, per month than right, the United which States is, now. Which is pretty scary considering how, how rapidly like, they've done that. Yeah. How quick we can do that too. 
We literally have. We went to the moon. We did. Well, did we? <laughs> we did. We went there. You know, it was, it's a hoax. It's uh, hoax. yeah. Kid- it? I'm kidding. Ah, uh, it's a ha, joke. Ah, ha, 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 funny. Um, but but we 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 can do this, and I think that's one of the things that's so exciting about the nature rights and the fact that Lake Erie that this bill passed back in February that we people are aware of the ways of, of the massive people are aware I don't even know how to put this people are aware of the effects that they have in the environment the effects the environment have on them and they're also aware of the ways that the way that they interact with the environment affects the way other people interact with the environment and that's a lot to think about that's like a, that, that's massive especially on the scale of a great lake the fact that they've be they were able to create a poli- uh, they were able to create a social political system an institution through this natural bill of rights where they are connecting two groups of people that are that have different interactions with the lake and the way they interact with the lake affects the other group of people mm-hmm. inadvertently and i think that thinking needs to be applied to environmental issues in every, every way we look at environmental issues and the way we look at them moving forward like we're driving this car okay who does this affect when i drive this car who does who is affected by couple hundred thousand people sitting in traffic let's see each um, day you know what i mean the, the, but like oh, I'm, I'm, I'm saying no <laughs> like like like, 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 a, like a thought experiment like yeah that's that's the kind of thinking we should be and using the anthropocentric lens we can push the message a bit further and make it hit home for people yeah I, any uh, other questions i I feel like it works with bodies of water first. I feel like if we could implement natural rights mm-hmm. uh, to bodies of water first, because I don't know. When I think of like bodies of water, mm-hmm. then forests, and then what else? Um, land. Land. I feel like water comes first. Not not just because it we need clean water. To live. Yeah, we do. We we are deeply connected with water. We're deep, with fresh water is one of the most scarce resources on earth. Look at what's happened in Cape Town, South Africa. Right. With the way that they have been on the verge of losing their pretty scary fresh water for months. And they have had a massive social change because of that. They have drastically changed the way that they interact with their environment. Mm-hmm. One aspect of their environment, the water in particular. I agree completely. So if we start with bodies of water, if we just do that with the rest of the Great Lakes, Champlain Lake. All, all rivers, rivers, the Hudson. Hudson, we just... And then we could work. Then we could be like, okay, so 
we all know lakes are important. You know, they provide aesthetic value. They provide <coughs> fresh water tourism, for drinking. Fresh water for drinking. They provide all this stuff. They're all protected now. Now, what about this forest that's been, you know, here's just been getting cut down or just people don't take care of it? I'd argue if we focus simply on protecting bodies of water and we do what they did with Lake Erie, where the entire watershed was protected under this Bill of Rights, Mm -hmm. the entire watershed, all of the tributaries and all of the land that has water that runs off into the lake, everything on that land is then thus protected under that Bill of Rights. So if we scaled that up to the entire Great Lake region, Mm -hmm. and we looked at, if we pulled up the Great Lake watershed right now, I think it also comes down to education on, like, watershed management, too. Oh, 100%. Because... I mean, it comes down to me. Yeah, so if we were to look at just the Great Lakes watershed, mm. that's a massive, massive amount of land in both the United States and Canada. Like, a ridiculous amount of land. That's the entire, the entire state of Michigan, about a third of the state of New York, a good amount of the coastline of, of Ontario. It's a ridiculous amount of land that is immediately protected under a natural bill of rights. All those trees have protections. If we were to look at the watersheds in the, on the East Coast and just do it on the East Coast... That gives us so much land that's protected. So if we did this incrementally with each each lake, river, and so on, I think we wouldn't need to then be like, hey, let's talk about the land. Because we've already done it right. inadvertently. And I, I think that's part of the beauty of like ecosystems is that it's like, like when you protect one major aspect of it, start protecting you. You inadvertently protect the rest of it, just because just based off of the nature of ecology. That's fucking dope. <laughs> you think like you think the people of Toledo are like thinking of that? They have that idea that maybe not just protecting like. Those, I was about to say like our air high, which was a lake air in China, that I uh-huh. <laughs> Lake Erie. Yeah. Um, if they, do you think that's next step for them, or do you think they're just like thinking about? The, I think they were thinking that. about their water, right? And I think that's how most of these are going to happen mm-hmm. by local groups, people on the ground, that grassroots are... operations that are personally affected by this are going to be like, hey. We are deeply connected with this body of water. We have a strong sense of place. This body of water, our lives depend on it. We need to protect it. And in doing that, and in having that deep connection with that, we can then be like, okay, you want to protect this body of water as an environmental movement, as scientists, ecologists, biologists. We are then going to say, okay, well, let's protect the watershed. And if you protect the watershed, you protect the lake. And that's how you get the ecosystem to be protected.
Ramel, thank you for potting with me today. Thank you for having me, Charles. Of course. Now, you listening, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, or you just want to talk, or if you have any suggestions for future episodes, you can DM me on Twitter at podfortheplanet, or you can contact me on Instagram at char underscore Olson 16. Important links to most of the stuff talked about in the episode can be found in the show notes. Thanks Thanks for for listening. listening.